Why do we exist? Were we created with a purpose? Or are we just here by chance? What are we to believe about life, faith, and worldview? Welcome to The Universe Next Door, focusing on answers to the questions we all consider. The Universe Next Door is supported by the C.S. Lewis Society, Trinity College of Florida, and supported by gifts from listeners just like you. Discover more resources and continue the conversation at apologetics.org. And now, your host, the research professor of Bible and theology at Trinity College of Florida, author and speaker, Dr. Tom Woodward. Welcome to The Universe Next Door, and thank you for listening. Uh, if this is your first time, check out our website, apologetics.org, and follow us on social media at the C.S. Lewis Society. And of course, if you have any questions or comments, just send an email to information at apologetics.org. Uh, Dr. Rodward, how are you doing today? I'm feeling fit as a fiddle, to use the old phrase, and um, I am excited to say that uh, I'm going to have a little uh, teeny thing taken off my right ear and uh, checked out, and um, the doctor says I should be just as normal and healthy as ever, and um, so I'm, I'm learning a lot about what uh, crazy things can happen to skin when it's left out in the sun too much, or when you don't put enough of that SPF 50 cream on, so I'm lear- living and learning, you know, as they say, and uh, but thankful for the wonders of modern science. Wow. Yeah, that gives me something to put on my prayer list. You would think sometimes they tell you sunscreen is bad for your skin. Sometimes they say the sun is good, and it's always, I never know what mm-hmm. to think. Well, I'm, I'm going to be uh, very, very faithful, fanatically faithful in putting on SPF 50 cream from now on. Of course, living in central Florida, south Florida, they sometimes call Tampa Bay. Uh, but the, it's, it's a lot of sun, and you're, there's a hazard anywhere in the U.S., even up north, you know, where there's a... You know, sun shining off the snow in the wintertime. But, um, you know, God is good, and they have said as they're going to do a little kind of a clip of what's uh, been biopsied, and then they're going to do some lymph node check here um, in about a week and a half. Um, I'm just thankful that uh, God is in charge, and God is good, and and we're going to be able to, I think, find out what's going on, and I trust that everything will turn out really well. But I'm rejoicing in uh, what God is doing in the world of apologetics and Thank you, Nick Shalla, for piloting this uh, ship in an amazingly efficient and exciting way. You're doing a masterful job. Thank you, thank you. Thank you I'm, for I'm the opportunity. I'm uh, here applauding you, literally. Yeah, I appreciate that. So, but uh, we're excited to be uh, moving into this area of, um, you know, celebrating the reaching of, you know, for the next two weeks of the level of 20, did you know, uh, you know, our series on Facebook, which is also posted, uh, it's updated weekly on our website, uh, now located at the top is the access button. We, we put one at the top of our page at apologetics.org. But I think, um, you know, these are like short, bite-sized, it's like a, a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get, right? Yeah, yeah, it's a really good way to lead into the subject or the topic, too. Yeah, People well, to look farther in. Thank you for uh, your, all again your ideas and um, you know for putting forth some some grand uh, entry points into apologetics for me to use. So may I reveal what our topic is for today? Oh, I'm excited about this. <laughs> Just... <laughs> I love it. Well, it's kind of a, a crazy, crazy, wild, and fun idea. But uh, God put on my heart to talk about in the realm of apologetics, defending the faith, uh, the Christian 
worldview over against competing worldviews, as we uh, explain. That's what the heart of apologetics is, defending uh, the person of Christ and the doctrine of uh, the good news of Christ. So what we're going to talk about is good euthanasia. And, of course, euthanasia, E-U, in front of T-H-A-N, and then A-S-I-A. So, uh, you know, euthanasia, is the, the idea of euthanasia is really not a good thing. The idea of putting people to death, uh, if they, you know, are just weak and sickly, or, you know, sometimes they say if a child is born uh, mentally deficient, that child, you know, according to some modern philosophers, uh, it can be just euthanized, which is just horrific. It's like, you know, Nazi, you know, thought or philosophy on steroids. But uh, euthanasia, uh, you might say there, there's one good place where, where death uh, is designed to take place by God, and that is inside our bodies. Individual cells have to go through a death cycle. It's part of even the formation of a fetus, you know, into a baby. In other words, uh, and that could be for any uh, animal that's growing and developing, whether it be in an egg or inside a womb. But uh, the development of any animal it necessitates the life cycle of cells. Now, of course, we, we mourn the loss of any fellow human being. It's inevitable, except for the case of Christ, or we might throw in Enoch or Elijah, and those that pass through the rapture will not taste death. But in the case of uh, all or, you know, human beings in that pattern of birth and then death, uh, that, that is a, you know, built into the equation tragedy. But uh, there's part of the actual physical or biological side of living or of life that has the structure and the necessary equipment and the detailed processes for individual cells to be uh, swept away once they have done their job. I find that fascinating, and I find it amazing that there's intelligent design even displayed in that good euthanasia. Again, I'm, I'm stretching the term in a, in a humorous way. I'm putting a smiley face on top of this topic. Is that permitted? My yeah, brother Nick? no, and that is, that's absolutely mind-blowing that that's happening mm -hmm. in our bodies in probably millions of ways right now. It is. It is. It's, I mean, it's mind-blowing the more you get into the details. And I'd like to direct the attention of anyone who enjoys getting into those details, just diving deeper. There's an article that was written by the staff of Discovery Institute, and it appears right there. It's uh, mid-July, so it's just behind us a couple weeks, July 13th to be exact. And so all you need to do is to put in <clears throat> the, the lead words of this article are, In Cell Death, A Stunning Display, okay? So the, the title literally is, In Cell Death, A Stunning Display of Intelligent Design. I'll repeat that one more time. In Cell Death, A Stunning Display of Intelligent Design. Now, I, I try to stay up with Evolution News. Uh, it's the best website for understanding the case for intelligent design and the case against macroevolution as taught in textbooks from, you know, let's say middle school all the way through the university world. And this macroevolutionary doctrine is the one that dominates still the universities, the secular world, the media, uh, literally the way that most kids are all the way through, again, graduate school, 
are taught where we came from. But the case for that, as we've documented in our own research and our own writings, the two books I've written, Doubts About Darwin, and then Darwin Strikes Back, uh, again, dealing with the, the evidence uh, for intelligent design, defending the scientific evidence for design. Those works try to go into the detail of why Darwinian theory is on the edge of a dramatic and, and just vast collapse. And that, that collapse has been really underway for 15 and, and really 20 years or more. But the collapse is gaining uh, speed the more we learn about the complexity upon complexity and interconnected layers of complexity within cells. And I'm going to go back to this article. Because what happened is a very important, uh, very important paper called, uh, and, and I'll just just give it the the full title in case anybody wants to know. Uh, the name of this uh, title is "The Clearance of Dead Cells by Epherocytosis," and that's a word I have to had to look up. Okay, so some. Some of those listening may have heard of a word. You, you literally, you know, in high school biology or let's say if you're going to college and taking a biology class there, you may have heard of uh, apoptosis. Apoptosis or apoptosis has nothing to do with popcorn. Okay, so <laughs> it sounds like you know, I heard the word pop in there. Is it, uh, it's similar. It has nothing to do with popcorn, but apoptosis or apoptosis is the normal pronunciation in the U.S. is programmed cell death. Well, related to that, and this is, again, what we've been talking about. Some cells, after they've done their job, they go through a life cycle, and they're programmed, literally, they're programmed already. When they come into existence, when they're birthed, they're programmed with a, it's like having a time stamp you know, having a, an expiration date stamped on it. You are good until September of 2022. Wow. Well, in this case, the apoptosis or apoptosis process, the programmed cell death, is also encased in a bigger process called aferocytosis, which means burial. Now, um, you know, anybody who passes away uh, should receive a decent burial. Well, the body has provided a way for even cells to receive a decent burial. That is, disposal of the remains in an efficient way that does not harm but actually helps the body in the sense that the constituent building blocks or elements of that cell can be recycled. Isn't that amazing? Yeah, this really is mind-blowing. So, in other words, if the body has built into its own function or functionality a way for the parts of the cell when when the the end of its life cycle draws near and let me give you an example um, I, I'm just jumping into the thicket of this uh, a lot of this research at St. Jude uh, Children's Research Hospital some of the other research was done at National Institute for Environmental Health Sciences and the four top drawer scientists who worked together as a team of researchers and writers to bring this to the, to the public. And it was published in a journal, a very elite journal called Nature. Nature may be familiar to one, uh, one or two of, or maybe 10 or 20,000 of the listeners uh, today. But Nature 
molecular cell biology is a subset of the nature uh, journal uh, uh, sections, has published this, and it was a shock heard around the world because cells are not only environmentally green, that is, they're experts in re recycling, but as they try to recycle those amino acids or sugars or other building blocks that they don't want to let go to waste, they have to say, well, how do we get these back into the recycling bin? Because they're all pulled, as it were, strung out on long chains, long, like, uh, strings that are miles long. And you can't take a, 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 a rope that's 300 miles long, or even just think of a, of, of a chain that's uh, 100 yards long, and put it into a, you know, a machine you, uh, to be recycled. You've got to cut it up in smaller pieces. And so uh, apoptosis, as I mentioned, the program cell uh, death, has a, a whole, uh, like a, a tool, shed, tool shop, a tool shed. And part of, this, part of that cell tool shed is a series of, of it's like a spy. You know, when a spy knows that uh, it's too late, you're going to be tortured, and you give up some information. You have a poison pill. You know, you've seen these movies, right, Nick? Yeah. Okay. And 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 and, and so when the spies grab, you know, something. Sometimes it's even hidden in their teeth, and so if they crunch the right hand molar, they're dead. So <laughs> cells are kind of like <laughs> weird analogy. Yeah, it works though. It I mean, works. death okay. death is the point here, I think. Yes. Okay. So forgive this, but we, we press on. The, the poison pills, in this case, uh, are, are a family of high-tech amino acid chains. These are proteins, okay? And there's 14 of these in a typical cell. Not one, not two, but each of these proteins acts, in effect, like a chainsaw. So, uh, and, and yet, you know, you don't want these proteins just kind of lying around cutting apart the cell, right? So these, these uh, they're called caspase, caspase, like Casper the ghost, okay? But take off the, the ER of Casper the ghost and put ace on the caspase. And these caspase proteins, these little buzz saws, um, come with their, uh, you might think of it, a, a cover around it, lock, all locked up, and their batteries are removed. But they're all ready to go because in a matter of nanoseconds, they can have that, that, the cover can come off, the batteries are zipped back in, and they're ready to go. And so these um, caspase uh, can jump right in, and when the cell cycle says, okay, we're going to quietly die, these uh, activated caspases jump into action, and they begin the process of recycling. They cut up all of the important chains so that they can slide right into the the loading ramp. Wow. Now, it's an amazing process. And as I was reading this, I'm thinking, you know, none of this would work without intelligent design. No, Again, you know, absolutely. I mean, I mean, if you saw a system that would require anywhere from three to five parts, you'd say, you know, how... And if you took those any one of those three or four or five parts away, the system wouldn't work. You'd say, looks designed. What about if it had 30 or 60 or 180 parts and every one was required? 
and someone would say that's that that evolved also what would you say to that well i mean as you're unpacking this i'm i'm first of all thinking how could you imagine that that wasn't designed it's like by what stretch of the imagination and exactly and second of all like imagine if charles darwin for example had known about any of this stuff when he had come mm -hmm. up with his theory okay i mean darwin would have been i think quite frankly flabbergasted his his jaw would be slack and then and then this is just one side of cell functioning and this isn't this is an extraordinary this is something that they have discovered recently or at least brought fully to light that is in every cell of every human body wow. virtually i mean there are certain cells that are assigned the the job of doing the eating of the you know the burial involves a very carefully orchestrated uh, recycling well, let, let me just get to part two so we, we've heard about these uh, the, the <laughs> poison pills or in this case they're like um, you know miniature buzz saws skill saws that are you know, kept inactive but then at a moment's notice they can be any one of those 14 proteins can jump into action then you have what we call the find me signals which basically is like put out like a blinking neon sign on the dying cell that attracts those other cells that are designed to eat, to basically digest the dying cell. Uh, the, those wandering cells that are going to do the eating are macrophages. Sometimes they're white blood cells in, uh, in the immune system, a, a special kind of white blood cell. And it knows exactly how to surround uh, a target cell and just kind of like, I'm going to have you for lunch, and it engulfs it. <laughs> okay? <laughs> I don't know if it says that, but something like that. I'm sure they're very probably polite. probably something as like that. Uh, yeah. So, but um, it, it could also be an invading cell. Of course, at that point, they're not quite so so polite. They, they said, I'm going to eat you. But the find me signal is more than a beacon. Okay? It can actually trigger a change in the behavior of that white blood cell depending on whatever the situation is you say you know like, what do you mean okay let me explain okay so the find me signal again we're talking about a special molecular doodad you know a gizmo that is attached to the outside of the cell and these find me signals can either be eat me or more importantly, don't eat me. So there's two kinds of tags. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. So now, don't eat me tags are priority, and these act as the, the primary logic gate. There's something called Boolean logic. Don't ask me to explain it. <laughs> Take another 15 minutes. Yeah. But, uh, but the primary logic gate has to be dealt with first. The eat me signal only turns on this white blood cell if the don't eat me tag has been removed okay so if the don't eat me tag is not there then you see the other tag sitting underneath that says eat me eat me so consequently this this whole program cell death involves removing the primary the first or primary don't eat me tag and that ensures that these white blood cells don't come around rambling and eating healthy cells. Does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, it's it's well designed to prevent, uh-oh, oops, you just ate part of the good tissue. It's like there's so many levels of complexity involved. 
Exactly. That are all necessary. They're all necessary. The, the whole system wouldn't work if any part of it broke down. Let me just read one. <laughs> this is just one paragraph from the actual report. Healthy cells decorate their plasma membranes with don't-eat-me signals that protect them from phagocytic targeting. Don't-eat-me signals include CD47, which is recognized by signal regulatory protein A, SERP-A, on the phagocyte surface, and CD31, which homodimerizes with CD31 on phagocytes. Similarly, CD24 on viable cells engages SIGLEAP10 on phagocytes to inhibit engulfment. Signaling in each case occurs through SHP1 and or SHP2, mediating the suppression of pathways requiring for phagocytosis, including actin remodeling. MHC class 1 can signal through LILRB1 to mitigate phagocytic activation. Although the signaling cascade is not fully delineated in combination, these signals regulate the initiation of a phagocytosis. Did you get all that? Yeah, got memorized. <laughs> yeah. That's just one tiny snippet of this whole report on programmed, brilliantly designed, I might add, uh, intelligently designed, but well-programmed cell death and how the, the products, you know, the leftovers, are taken and used and reused. It's very, very green, very, you know, well thought out. So I'll just mention, I you know, uh, time's uh, fleeing, but the last stage uh, mentioned in this study is engulfment. Engulfment is that where the phagocyte, you know, where the, the white blood cell, for example, would surround the dying cell. And basically um, it would engulf it. it um, it's a tightly regulated process as it does this. It does this to both dead and, and also dying cells that are not fully dead. They're just in the process. And, and then uh, the brag, the actually the uh, phagolysosomal. I want to make sure I pronounce that uh, correct. The um, the contents of that process have to be further uh, broken down, and that happens inside the phagocyte as it has its own subsections that are devoted to a, a molecular, you know, kind of uh, boiling. Uh, you might think of big pots on a stove that further boil down the uh, pieces into their most basic constituent elements. And, 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 and then what happens is that we have a, a reset process, which is in effect a um, cleanup and um, reset, a homeostasis, a restoring of homeostasis. Because, uh, and this is sometimes referred to as the resolution stage. So, um, if I can just kind of re re enjoy with uh, our audience here the conclusion that is uh, shared by the authors here at Evolution News. Ferrocytosis is an amazing, complete, and efficient package. People take little thought of what is going on inside their bodies at this scale all the time until something goes wrong. The authors describe some of the terrible things that happen when components fail. And they talk about all kinds of uh, things that can happen uh, when the, any, any of these uh, factors uh, stumble or, or get glitched. And so what I'm trying to bring out is that the more you look anywhere in any nook or cranny of living things, you're in awe, just like you see a sunset 
or a mountain valley or beautiful flowers or just swimming fish and um, creatures of the sea, you appreciate the grandeur of the Creator who made us for a purpose and who sent His Son, Christ Himself, God become man, who suffered in our place, paid for our sins, arose from the dead, was seen by an overwhelming number of witnesses, and opens up His arms to us to re receive us as His children, forgive us, and give us eternal life. Well, thank you for listening to The Universe Next Door. God bless you. See you back here next week. You've been listening to The Universe Next Door with Dr. Tom Woodward, sponsored by the C.S. Lewis Society and Trinity College of Florida and supported through the gifts of listeners just like you. To gather resources, continue the conversation, and support The Universe Next Door with your financial gifts, go to apologetics.org. That's apologetics.org. And join us again next time as we continue to seek the truth about life, faith, and worldview in the universe next door.